0: Ayer's on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer.
1: And here we are, Richard and Linda Iyer, and it's great, Linda, to follow the BYU Sports Show because we listen in the last 10 minutes every time and we learn all we need to know and maybe a little more about BYU sports.
0: We do, and catch up on what's going on down there because we are a little bit removed from that right now. We are up at Bear Lake, as some of you may know from previous um the last couple of weeks. We're in our Uh, deluxe
1: we're in our deluxe Bear Lake broadcast studio.
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) And we have just finished our family reunion, which was absolutely amazing um our youngest son and his wife were in charge and had something wild and exciting every day all prepared and and successful with 44 people um we've been feeding 44 for wait i thought it was
1: 45 i thought it was 45
0: 45
1: this is Absolutely. just like we on the last show they said they didn't know how many here. sacks the guy had 37 or 38 we we need to know the right numbers here, Linda. We got to get this right.
0: We—I've been saying 45, uh, 44 for a long time, and then all of a sudden, something wonderful happened last week.
1: Our hey, you youngest, know, well, well, yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah, you know, we can, have
0: to—we have to say this is so exciting. Our youngest daughter just got engaged. And so um, we think she's found the perfect guy, and they are so <laughs> he's, exciting He's sitting together.
1: in the same room. Linda's just buttering him up. He's He'll
0: smiling. Hurt. Well...
1: In a public way on DYE Radio.
0: Well, it's amazing. <laughs> we are so thrilled. They are being married on October 9th, and <laughs> so he added the number five, 45 to our reunion number, a nice round number, and... Um, <laughs> We have had so much fun, but, of course, not without the normal crises. I mean,
1: We got one going right now. We think our daughter broke a rib. We're going to have to take her in and get her x-rayed after we go off the air. But, you know, I wanted to say, Linda, that uh, there's so many interesting listeners to BYU Radio. I mean, you might be a member of the LDS Church, and big reunions might be old hat to you. You might say, well, everybody does that. Everybody gets all the whole extended family together family reunions part of our religion sort of thing but there's so many listeners to BYU radio who aren't part of the LDS culture and they may be saying what is this family reunion thing you get all these people together and you what do you do I mean what happens and the answer to that is just about everything happens it's um, a wonderful thing especially for extended families and there are more and more of them these days who live far apart from each other and really need a gathering point sometime in the year or some do it every 2 years where they reconnect and cousins get reacquainted with cousins and uncles and aunts sort of step in and serve as surrogate parents or I was thinking about the other day honey it's almost like godparents it's all you know a lot of, a lot of the world has names a godparent, a godfather, and a godmother for their child that served the surrogate, the person that will watch out for the child, the one that has a little social distance. we got about 10 of those, all the uncles and aunts, watching out for their nephews and nieces, and it's a wonderful thing.
0: It really is. And, in fact, this year we've signed the grandchildren, of which we have 26, um, We've assigned the older children, actually Richard did this, um, assigned the older children to be tutors to the younger ones.
1: Part of my management training, Middle. we need middle management. Middle
0: management is family. working well this year. It's absolutely awesome. We also have put the kids to work on the cleanup because it was overwhelming, and uh, contests about who could clean up the best, and they won big things like sleepover on the tennis court and um, (laughs) things like that for being the best. And, boy, they really got in there and rolled up their sleeves and did a good job this year. We We weren't waiting up to our waist with junk.
1: Now, we wanna despite the fact that our minds and our hearts too are pretty much on this recently concluded family reunion, we wanna move on today and have uh because it's a rare week we haven't been on the road and we can really focus on a single topic and we thought it would be great to spend a little time talking about the creativity of children and, and we're in a good spot for that, Linda, because as you just mentioned, we've been around these twenty six grandkids and one of the things that you never ever get used to or never fully appreciate, I think as an adult is the vivid imagination that children have, and they'll take it as far as you want. I mean all you have to do as an adult is sort of let your let your sense of reality leave you just a little and get kind of creative and tell wild stories and they'll match you and exceed you on every level and you know. The thing that we're learning more and more of, and the thing that all listeners are probably just as aware of as we are, is the amazing importance of creativity, the amazing importance of sort of right brain thinking, innovative thinking in today's world. I mean, you can make a pretty good case that it's not about reading, writing, and arithmetic anymore, although the skills are still, the basics are still there and and need to be in education, but People who do the best are the ones with ideas and the ones who have the imagination to think out of the box. And I wonder, Linda, if our schools really teach that. In fact, I don't wonder at all. I know pretty well they don't.
0: Uh, They don't. In fact, we were very worried about that when our children were in the public school system because they have these testing schedules and these competitions to do well and then leave no child behind policy which was good in some ways and really cut creativity in a lot of ways. So we actually thought it was very important to create creativity at the dinner table.
1: Well, yeah, let, let me back up just a little. We We think that, um, and, and by the way, some of our kids and some of our in-law kids do a lot of homeschooling schooling with their kids. Some of our nieces and nephews do even more intense homeschooling, and we, well, we admire the pluck and determination and patience and everything else it takes to to do homeschooling. We we always felt, and again, this is such a individual decision for families. But we felt like we wanted them in in schools, and in our case, we chose public schools because we wanted diversity and so on. But we we were very aware, and became increasingly aware, uh, the more we were exposed to public education, how how many things were lacking and in fact at one point we created a little alternative curriculum made to be used as a supplement in the home and like you say Linda around the dinner table and we actually called it the other 3 Rs instead of reading writing and arithmetic the old traditional 3 Rs we we wanted to add relationships responsibility and right brain learning because we felt those three R's really aren't covered at all by most schools. In fact, and, and again, we're not being critical of education. When you have large classes like we do in Utah and like there are in many parts of the country, you have to sort of resort to what educators call convergent learning. In other words, let's get all the kids to give this answer to this question. And that that works for certain things. I mean, there really is only one answer for most math equations and so on. And there really is only one correct way to spell a word and, and on and on. But when kids get thinking in that mode that, um, you know, what's the right answer? What is the right answer? Instead of thinking, what alternative answers might there be? What other ways might there be to get this done? What other perspectives might there be? Then, and and there have been studies, I'm sure some of you listeners have seen them, that uh, the minute kids enter organized school at age five or six, every creativity test they're given begins to decline because, again, they're looking for the right answer. How do I stay in the box? How do I satisfy the requirements here? Instead of... How do I think outside the box? So, and that's okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with left brain learning. It's just that if that's all kids get, if there's no balance, if there's no right brain learning, no the right hemisphere of the brain being the creative, intuitive sort of thought uh, out of the box side, then you tend to have kids who miss part of their potential and maybe a huge part of their potential
0: you know it really is amazing um what happens in a child's mind when <clears throat> when they think of a creative idea to do something a different way um they're just they're so geared to pointed to doing things a certain way and when they figure there's a way around if there's a problem in front of them there's a way around it if you're creative there's a way to make it work um We, of course, are very fond of the word serendipity. For those of you who don't know us, you don't know why exactly. But serendipity is just a way of making things work out and uh, things that you don't expect that happen to you that are disappointing or surprising, um, there are ways to work around it and be creative and figure out a better way to make it work.
1: Let me let's give you a couple of examples. And again, we're we're not we're not education experts. We're certainly not curriculum experts. But we what we what we think we have gotten somewhat good at is filling voids. And a lot of parents recognize this void in their kids' education of where's the creativity, where's the and of course teaching responsibility is. Largely the parents' role and, and helping kids with relationships too, but we're focusing on the right brain part of it—that one of the three other R's, so to speak. And um, I'll give you an example: one one game that—and and this is a this is not just the R's. This is a lot of parents who've worked together on this for a lot of years that values parenting. Um, uh, one game you play around the dinner table is what is similar. And this is, this is actually a real test to find out how, how far your kids are into the let's think within the box thing. And what you do is you say, what's similar about a telephone and a turtle? And, or what's similar about a doorknob and a cloud? Or just the two most dissimilar objects that come into your mind. You need to be a little creative as parents to play this game. But what, what you'll notice is that the, uh, The older kids will look at you like a telephone and a turtle, and, and you know, they're trying to find the, the, where's the multiple choice, what do I get to choose from, you know, no, just tell us, just tell us. And then if some kid says, well, they both have curved surfaces, the older kids will tend to say, oh, is that the right answer, instead of saying, what else is similar, you know? And we... (laughs) That's actually a good one to to give an example of. Let me remember the answers we got on that one.
0: Oh, I mean, really? The four-year-olds like they both start with T. Going, oh, you're right. That is true. And then one of our young kids who doesn't say very much—he's always very, very quiet—he piped up after several answers and said they would both cease to function if a truck ran over them. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's really
1: fun to see what comes up in these creative minds. So you get the idea where we're going. We need to take a brief break, but when we come back for the second half of the show, let's explore this topic a little further. How how important is it to you as a parent to foster creativity? And that can mean many things within your child. And, And what can you do about it? Are you... Are you a bystander to their education or can you step in and create real learning opportunities for this elusive quality of creativity? We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. Linda will now tell you the key to teaching your children creativity.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, you know, we have been inundated with our grandchildren this week, uh, up at this reunion, and I'm taking them individually, four or five at a time, for what we call Grammy Camps. And uh it has been so interesting to me to watch the creativity of these kids. We started with the oldest kids, the teenagers, because they were they're off to b y u camps this week and um we went to Star Valley, where my mother um was born and raised, and where my cousin still lives and um they were so cute. We went to my cousin's house, who is a fabulous singer, pianist, and so on of old time music and they sat there and sang with her, and she yodeled for them, and they were awesome. I mean, I think they were pretty creative in, in thinking, oh, yes, we get to go on a trip to learn about ancestors, just <laughs> what I've always wanted. But they really made the best of it, and they were in there singing their hearts out and and uh, really learning. We, we asked them to be one of the ancestors and tell the ancestor story on the way in the car and uh, that were buried in the cemetery out in Star Valley. And they did a really good job of telling those stories and being creative about how they presented the stories and um, actually becoming that person for the day. And then when they got to the cemetery, they were actually hugging the graveyard of the, the grave of the person who they had become just for that day. And they were so fun in just creating the story and then remembering the story. It was really Really fun
1: to be there with that, that's a great example honey because when whenever a kid um plays a role does role playing or sort of puts himself or herself into the life story of another person that that 's the definition of creativity in a way that's that's using your mind to to change your perspective, which is what creativity's all about and i think um what you're doing with them with music too, uh, you know. Again, um, you have some schools that do a pretty good job on music education and so on. But again, because of the large classes and so on, it's often convergent learning. Who, who wrote this concerto or whatever, as opposed to how does the music make you feel? How do you? Wh- wh- how does it change the way you think and so on? You, ought to, you ought to, Linda's great at this because she's a music major and a musician and and finds ways to use music to help kids to think in a different way.
0: Well, we had so much fun with the 5- to 7-year-olds today. I just barely finished about an hour before the show. And uh, I sent music early to each of the groups and told them to listen to it, and then we, we'd be doing it at Grammy Camp. So these little kids did Peter and the Wolf today. And they were so adorable because they had listened to it and it's like, okay, now the grandfather's coming. Who wants to be the grandfather? There were only four little girls, so they each had to take two parts in Peter and the Wolf. And I don't know how many of you are familiar with that story, but by the time we got to the end, I was cracking up because they were so creative in what they were doing. I mean, they had to find a tree in a room and they figured out the tree. They had to figure out how to tie up the wolf. And... Peter um, had to figure out how, where his grandfather took him. The lock came behind the gate. They found a gate here. But remember, um,
1: this is not just the story of Peter and the Wolf. This is the, is it Tchaikovsky? Well, this is the music, Prokofiev. Yeah. But Prokofiev, sorry. So, it's, he, you know, every every person in the show is represented by a different instrument. The grandfather's the bassoon, if I remember right.
0: Right. So they had, they entered, I mean, they just knew what the music was like according to... Um, who they were at the moment whether they were the bird or the duck or whatever and so they, they entered at just the right time and, and then finally they came and got the wolf and put him in the zoo so the zoo turned out to be the shower and they, oh, they had that wolf in wasn't. there with the wolf costume on we had a lot of wild costumes and they had to be very creative about what which costume would look most like a wolf and so we had those monster costumes as somebody said this last year it, that I have a picture of that wolf in the zoo behind that shower glass shower door, and it is so funny. I mean, they were just delighted with it, but I was delighted with how creative they were about just making something out of this room that we were in, that was totally magical.
1: So whether it's music or whether it's stories, um, you know, see it as an opportunity as a parent to foster and sort of legitimize imagination. And, and creativity, because once kids see that you value that, then they will you know, sort of make more attempts at actually doing it, and we have kind of a tradition in the family that our kids, I think, do better on it now with our grandkids than we do, honey, and it's, it's the story of Mirrorland, where it's an imagination, it's kind of an alternative universe that's, that parallels our world, but the person you, know, you see in the mirror—that's the character. And gee, there's a person in this family that looks exactly like you, but his name is so and so, and he lives in Mirrorland. And and kids get into that, and it gives a parent a chance to teach all kinds of lessons, including values and character, by saying, "Did you know what happened to so and so, who's your, who looks just like you, and lives in Mirrorland the other day?" And and uh, you know, it's a story about kid but it really isn't it's a story about the one in mirrorland and and it's that's just another example of how into it kids can get i mean they named themselves in our mirrorland story and we had some strange names for their their counterpart in mirrorland (laughs) yeah you should you should mention a couple of them well we had one named boomer bumpkin we had one named princess we had one named pixie Honestly, their last name was Doolittle. I don't know why I think they 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 were attracted to the the name Do little
0: <laughs> I think so um I think one of the things that our kids appreciate most about um creativity at our house was that around the dinner table going back there. um we did have uh, one night a week it seems like one night we'd do one thing one night another, but anyway, we would call it speeches. And this is the night they were to give speeches. And so we sit around the table, and and in one minute they had to come up with a speech. And we told them, you know, be creative, start with something that's like fireworks, that gets people's attention, and then talk about it for a minute, and then wrap it up in and with something that's like fireworks, too. And honestly, they took that to heart, and they did things that we couldn't do. It was absolutely amazing. We'd say, okay, start, and then, like... Your topic tonight is doorknobs, and so they came up with the most amazing things. I mean, salt, just whatever we had sitting around. Give a one-minute speech on salt, and it really was quite amazing how creative they could be, and to this day, our children are all pretty darn good public speakers.
1: Well, again, putting that in context a little bit, you know, we were busy, you're busy, all families are busy, and you say, well, where in the world am I going to find time to teach creativity? Where in the world am I going to find time to have these little supplemental classes to try to teach the things they don't learn in school? And the, the easiest answer is if you can manage to get together for dinner, I mean... There are people in parts of this world, we've talked about this before on the show, that have dinner together every night as families. Many people in this country used to. It's hard to find that anymore because our schedules are so busy and our kids' schedules are so busy. But if you put your mind to it, you can get together for dinner three nights a week and find a time when everyone can be there and then use that dinner table as a classroom keep the kids for a few minutes after they're done and play some of these games. And that's what—that's how this speeches game worked. And kids would stand up and have one minute to speak on something. And, and, of course, they don't do very well at the beginning, but it's amazing how fast they develop a creative skill to do that. And, you know, I want to say this too, Linda. For For a lot of parents, the key to fostering creativity in their children is simply to quit squelching it one of the problems that is very common among and we've all done this so we're we're all a little guilty of this and that is you know somebody says something and you say oh that's silly come on that's silly or let's we, we sort of imply without in t- intending to that if you're if you're making something up in an imaginative way or something you're you're just silly you're just not being get serious you know let's get this homework done or whatever And instead, we need – and, of course, there are times when you need to get kids to be on task and so on. But there are also times when you see a spark of creativity in a child. And it might be just through a question, like I was with a couple of the grandkids today, and and I don't think you heard this, Linda, but Charlie was saying, you know, why – why does the hot air go up and the cold air go down? They're both air. Why 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 is one different than the other? And one of the kids well, it must be thicker than the than the uh the cold air must be thicker and it went on and on and, and they ended up going to Wikipedia to try to figure out what it was. So and by the way, that's the other thing we used to do at the dinner table, probably the three most popular games on values parenting the the website values parenting dot com on this other three r's education it's probably the two we've mentioned the similar game the speeches game and the third one is the questions game and this is sort of turning school around backwards what they what they get at school is the teacher asks you the questions and you're supposed to know the answer but in the question game at home around the dinner table we give you a topic and then you ask the, the hardest, best question you can think of about that topic. And again, this is a, a, an acquired skill. Kids who do that a few times, they really come up with amazing questions and, and most of the time you will not know the answer. And and what will happen? They'll go right to, the, to Google when they're done and they'll try to find out because they thought of the question. Now they've got to find out what the answer is and maybe that's the most direct illustration of what we're talking about today. Do you want your kids to know the answers? Yeah, of course you do because you want them to do well, you want them to do well on the test, you want them to do well on the SAT or the ACT test and so on but isn't it equally important that they be able to ask good questions and where are they going to learn that if you don't teach them?
0: It's so true. And I mean, you know, sometimes you think, Well, I'm not so creative. I I can't think of things like that. You can. You are creative. It's just that you've been gone through the same the same school system maybe as all of us have and you have to think what can I do to be more creative to show the children, my children, that they really There's a huge value in being creative. When they come up to a problem, when they come up to something that's a disaster,
1: how do you be
0: creative and make it work
1: for you? Absolutely. And I think I want to end, I'll let you have the last word, honey, but I want to end with a challenge to parents to set the example of creativity for your children. One way to do that, and it's a very practical bit of parenting advice, I think, is use your imagination in putting kids into situations before they actually happen. We've talked about this before on the show, Decisions in Advance, but but say, listen, I'm going to tell you a story about you, and you're 10 now, but this is a story about you when you're 15, and you're with some friends who want to shoplift, and and you give them a scenario and ask them, what would you do in that scenario? And be creative. Use your imagination to create a situation that they can then respond to. So bottom line for me is I think parents need to work on their own creativity and on the creativity of their kids.
0: And amen to that. We wish you the very best as we progress through this summer, and we'll be talking to you again soon.
1: See you next week on Ayers on the Road.